Welcome to The Bolt, the official podcast of Trinity Basin Preparatory, a charter school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where we share interesting stories and strategies from across our district. I'm Connor Rogers. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Trey. Hey, Connor. Welcome. The, the, the topic's so nice, we talked about it twice. We're back with part two of our classroom management series. Yes, you've learned more than you ever wanted to know about classroom management. You didn't know we could make it two parts. I had no idea so much. Yeah. That's so, great. Go ahead. Uh, so this is going to be, the first episode was focused more on uh, elementary teachers' perspectives. This is focused more on secondary, which for our purposes is fifth through eighth grades. So we have a fifth grade teacher uh, and a seventh grade teacher. And I think what's what you'll see is a lot of similarities in terms of the principles are the same, but they they differ. Well, principles with not P, the principles at the campuses, right? Not this, the pals. Okay, yeah, yeah. Principles with P L E S at the end. Right. The uh, the theories of classroom management and the values are the same, but the application looks a little different when you deal with four year olds versus fourteen year olds. Sure, that makes sense. By the way, is that a joke that principals make? Because I heard it on Saved by the Bell one time that you can't spell principal without pal. pal. Is that? Um, I have never known a principal to okay, make good. that joke. Good. And I have never known a principal to do really anything Any that jokes? Mr. Belding <laughs> okay. has ever done. Well, that's, so. probably, that's definitely good for our campuses. Yes. So let's keep that up. Okay. Cool. So without further ado, here's Classroom Management Part 2, Secondary. Uh, we have a great topic today. We're just going to get into it to kick off our 20,000, uh, 20,000. <laughs> it's the future. The 2019, 2020 school year. Uh, but we're going to get to that after we meet our guests. So, uh, let's start with our first guest. Our guests actually have something in common today. I don't know if you know this, Connor, but our first guest is a fifth grade math and science teacher and teacher of the year for the Panola campus in Fort Worth. Nicole Richmond is here. How are you doing today, Nicole? I am well. I am well. I've been teaching summer school, so I'm ready for a break. <laughs> I hear you. And our second guest is a seventh grade math in, uh, a math teacher uh, and teacher of the year for our ga- Jefferson campus in Dallas and the Liberty Capital Bank Teacher of the Year for the Trinity Basin Preparatory District. Denora Gonzalez is with us today. How are you doing, Denora? That's probably the last they, time I'll call you Nicole they, and they sound so excited about winning Teacher of the Year for their respective campuses. Doing great. I'm, I'm good. I'm teaching summer school. It was exciting. It's just, well, congratulations to you both. I think that's that's awesome. To Thank you. Awesome. So our topic today is classroom management. What does that mean? Seriously, okay. I, I don't know. Well, what that so means. we're gonna we're gonna get into that okay, in a good. second. I just want to mention that I, it's a topic that again is very near and dear to my heart because my first year and my third year of teaching, I really struggled with classroom management, and I think it's one of those things that people ton, kind of forget about teaching. So if I said you're going to teach high school English, you would immediately think of what books am I going to teach? You know, what's my schedule going to look like day to day? But you kind of forget about the classroom management side. So I'm going to start with Mr. Trey asking you what you think classroom management is, and then we'll turn over to our panel of experts. So having no knowledge on the subject at all, I would I was kind of leaning one of two ways. I would think it maybe has something to do with layout and how everything is kind of set up, maybe centers and lower grade levels or something like that, or is it more time management based or none of the above? All right, let's go to our guests. I think it's all of all those things that you just said. Uh, it's uh, I feel like classroom management is an organization of procedures and tasks on how your classroom is going to flow. And so, and it goes from 
entering the classroom to how do you get a pencil to how do you get paper to how do you respond to your peers? How do you respond to the teacher? It's uh, it's a multitude of things. It's the mechanics of your classroom. So it'll be how your classroom, how fluid your classroom is working and how you make that happen. Because you want to create a culture in your classroom and that culture can exist without having a defined classroom management or a system in place. Okay. That's so does Mr. Trey you good so on that? So did I nail it? I mean, yeah, kind of. That was pretty close. Yeah, you were you were definitely in the ballpark. In the in the ballpark. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I, th- I think, like Nicole said it best, too, is that it's everything from how you enter the classroom, how you pass out those papers, and those little things that you wouldn't think matter, mm-hmm. ask any teacher, and they know that they matter. So uh, let's talk about the specifics. So let's say for you guys, I know you're both teachers of the year, so what things do you do specifically in those first two weeks to kind of get yourself set up for a successful school year? Um, other than learning the kids' names, I would focus on, (laughs) I focus on creating a lot of rapport with the kids and talking to them because in a middle school grade level, when they're in seventh grade, they tend to focus more on your connection at a personal level than the academics Mm -hmm. at first. So you have to create a rapport with them the first two weeks, along with having the procedures and things. But one of the biggest things that I work on is making sure that I talk to them, that I get something from them every day. I stand at the door. I ask them a specific question. I make them communicate with me. And then I walk them through the same thing that Ms. Richmond was mentioning, like the procedures and how you walk into the room. And then if they don't do it right, we come back outside. So there's a lot of repetitive action and a lot of reminding. And this isn't how it worked this year, last year, but this year it'll be this way. And there's adjustments because you definitely want to get their input and whether it works for them or not, at least in my classroom. Which I'm pretty sure a lot of people do that with their students. And stuff. Uh, again, I agree with you about the rapport and, and, and beginning to build those relationships. But we do a lot of practice. We just practice. And it's not like one whole day of just practice, practice. But it's continuous because getting the pencil might be something that's done every day, how you get a pencil or how you get a dry erase marker. But then there may be something about passing out, passing in your papers that's not every day. And so it's all in the moment and just continuously this, this is how I want it done. And when it's not done correctly, we're going to do it over. Not a big judgment thing or, but just, Hey, you did it. This is not how I want it done. This is the way. And then as those systems are, are, put in place, I feel that then you start to get feedback from the students. And then what is working? And that's how then they become, uh, it becomes a collaborative effort as far as the management is once. You may, as a teacher, have what you, how you want it done, but then depending on the group of kids is you have that collaboration of now let's tweak whatever procedure it is. So definitely more so it's like as a teacher, what you have to think ahead before the school starts, you have to sit and fill out all your procedures and be like, okay, this is what I want. This is how I want this to look. This is how I want them to pick up a pencil. This, if they ask me for paper, where's that going to go? If they're absent, where's that going to go? And as the two week time period starts of the beginning of school, you just, it's more of pointing it out as it comes up. Okay. Mm-hmm. If everybody needs paper, here's where it's at. If you need pencils, here's where it's at. But if you don't take the moment to reflect on it before the first day of school, it 
becomes more of you doing impromptu procedures and you don't want that. You want to already have something pre-planned before the students walk in the door. Absolutely. That, that what you described was my first year where I was just like impromptu procedures, <laughs> you know, and it was terrible. So that so important to take that time before school. Well, how do I want the students to go to lunch? Mm-hmm. What, you know, when do, when do I want them to line up? When do I want that? Where do I want them to turn their homework? So Lots of good ideas. And whenever you do something that's impromptu or by the seat of your pants, it um, sets up you not being consistent because it wasn't thought out. So it was just kind of like, oh, I think this works. Or And so it it makes it difficult for you to hold yourself accountable and be consistent. And students need consistency like it needs to be consistent doesn't mean that you can't be flexible but it needs to be consistent because there were times where there were things that I had in place maybe I had buckets on the desk and I noticed as a teacher oh okay they're doing a lot of playing with the pencils or they're it, it that became so they became so focused on the bucket and how it was placed that then it was like okay I'll take that or I'll make a smaller bucket or and so but if you don't if you're just kind of like flying by the seat of your pants and it, it, it just sets up kind of a disaster not a disaster but it can it can be difficult Absolutely. to be consistent Okay, so we talked about um, the ideal kind of the, the do's and don'ts of, of classroom management coming from a high level. Uh, kind of real quick before we go any further, do you want to say why this was a, a kind of a, 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 what did you call it, a pain point or your first and third year? It was kind of rough to, what did you say? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I just already said that that it was it was a real struggle for me first. But any speci- anything specifically that that was uh, I just kind of expecting and I think just kind of what Nicole said that. Uh, the impromptu procedures, if you like, I was very much, I used to be a very much, I'll just wing it, fly by the seat of my pants mm-hmm. kind of guy. And that approach does not work very well in teaching when it comes to classroom management. You can maybe adjust a certain aspect of your lesson or we were going to do this whole group. Now I'm going to do a small group. You can adjust things like that on the fly. But as far as procedures for how they're going to line up to go to lunch, like, no, you need to, like Dinora said, you need to plan that out before the kids get there. Okay. So what about the situation when the first kid gets out of line? How do you handle that? I think it's pre-planning discipline again. Um, when it's the first two weeks, it's definitely a lot more flexible. So you just adjust and say, hey, remember, and you try to remind them and then you continue with that. But if it becomes a behavior issue, then you go into the discipline system of, that you should already have set up in your classroom and trust that that definitely realigns everybody and gets them back in focus. Uh I typically, if something is done not as what my expectations was set, is really I will kind of say, do it again, or even maybe just sit and say, okay, like almost have the kid realize, because I may just repeat, Mm -hmm. if it's like, I want you to address me as yes or yes, ma'am, and they just say, yeah, well... I'm, I'm going to repeat that question again or I, and until they're like, oh, okay. And I want them to kind of self-discover the mistake versus me saying, you did this wrong and do it again or that. So, or I rely on the peers because if I repeat it enough, then they're like, you should have said that or you should have done this or they'll start chiming in and it doesn't become like I'm necessarily the bad guy. Sure. But it's just... 
again, a lot of practice and just, but it is immediately. It's not, I'll let you fly this time. And then because I'm in a bad mood the next day, uh, then I'm going to get on you. It had consistency. consistency. So it's immediate. It's immediate when it's not the, is anything that I want done in a certain way. And so, and without necessarily it being judgment, not necessarily you did something bad or it's just, you need a couple, you need to practice some more and let's just, and so I think that has worked most of the time that works without me. I mean, there are times where I have to say, okay, you, Johnny, you, da, 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 da. But most of the time I can just repeat and then let's practice it again. And then maybe we'll practice it individually. Maybe we have to practice it as a group. Just depends. Right. And, and that consistency piece, which you guys hit on is so huge. And it also goes hand in hand with fairness. So if you're going to consistently enforce the rules to this one student, then you have to do it again to all the other students. Right. Yes. Because kids will very quickly call you out if you're being right. unfair. Yeah. And remember it. Well, you didn't right. do that last time. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's, um, let's talk. What do you think some, some mistakes are, some of the biggest mistakes that teachers make when it comes to classroom management? I think Nicole kind of talked about one, which is um, really reprimanding a student in front of the whole class where it causes embarrassment. You don't, you don't want to do that. You want to avoid that because it definitely, that rapport that you've built up will deteriorate in a second if you do that. So you have to be cautious of giving them their space and their respect and making them understand why the procedure is important and how it functions for the other 20, 23 kids in the classroom. So that, that's definitely a mistake that I see that could happen. Um, three things. I, I'm, I'm going to go back. Consistent insistent and flexible so being consistent with your procedure being insistent that it's done done correctly and being flexible being able to be flexible and change so i like that consistent insistent and flexible and like benar said too not shaming the student Mm -hmm. right so do you guys apply any reward systems in your classroom when, when things are going well and how how well do those work I do a reward. I reward hard work. I re- reward responsibility. I don't necessarily have a reward system for having our class be managed well, as far as doing things just so that the class, like Donora said, is fluid. So I don't have a reward system in that sense, but as far as hard work, being responsible, those things I do. I have like a wall of champions. I have a class dojo when you're, you know, you're turning in your homework and those kind of, but that's for work ethic, not classroom management per se. Is it, is it more that they shouldn't get rewarded if it's something that should be done I, and expected? I think kinda. it's intrinsic. Like right. you want to, you want a classroom that you're welcome, that you can learn in, that is conducive for learning and that, you know, you're going to have fun. I don't, I'm, I don't reward, I don't think a reward system is needed for a classroom to run like it should Mm -hmm. so that you can learn. But sometimes you can, you can rely on extrinsic motivation and it's, it can be as simple as a stamp 
a sticker or just recognition of what they're doing and making sure that they know that they're going down the right path. But definitely working on the same way as Nicole mentions, I'm in intrinsic motivation works a lot better for me. And there will be times that the students will ask, well, what am I going to get for this? And I'm like, uh, intelligence. And then or I'll be like a mental cookie. Here you go. And then so it'll just, it'll like be that. easier. Though. A mental cookie. <laughs> and I mean, if you do have a student who is kind of having a difficult time with the procedures and those when they are doing something good or they remember to, you know, put the pencils where it's, or anything like that or how to address their peers, then it is good to acknowledge, hey, I like the way you, you've done that. You know, I, I like the way you remember how to put, you know, the, your paper, highlight your name on your paper or whatever it is. Um, it's good, you know, you know, at least acknowledging that, but, um, for, yeah, I mean, sure for stickers and all that. someone who's <laughs> new to teaching and talking about classroom management, when I started teaching, extrinsic motivation was something that I relied on. So I did have um, pencils and stickers and stamps to work on. But as the year goes by, you have to make sure that you kind of wean them off of that because mm-hmm. you'll end up, they'll end up relying a lot on having that extrinsic motivation. And so you need to make sure that it's, it becomes more of, this is the expectation because this is what works in our classroom. This is how well we can function without having a reward. And then make them love learning, love the subject that you're teaching without having extrinsic motivation. And that does work, especially maybe if you're having difficulty with um, your class in the hallway or in the lunchroom. If those things, then it may be like a reward system of, oh, you got a compliment or Let's put cotton balls in, and if we fill it up, then we'll because for some some things like that, their reward systems can help, especially if you have. But I do agree, it should not be something that you just do the whole year because it should be an expectation of this is just how we're gonna operate. Period. So in you the guys- story. Yeah, exactly. You guys hit upon a really interesting point, which is the difference between an intrinsically motivated student and an extrinsically motivated student. So I've heard it said that with extrinsic motivation, you can get the behavior that you want, but you can't get the child to want that thing. And intrinsic motivation, of course, they do internally want it themselves. Would you guys agree with that? Is that fair to say? Okay. So then my question for you both is, what is a teacher's role in motivating a student or can a teacher make a student intrinsically motivated? I think it has a lot to do with how you carry yourself. And so if you have a passion for what you're doing, they start asking, why why do you like talking about math so much? And then, so they become a little more curious and as their curiosity builds and they see you loving to do what they hate, they'll be like, Oh, I can actually like this. And it becomes a more, more acceptable to them to not to not see the task as difficult because I think that's what makes them not intrinsically motivated that it's a challenge and they don't want to take it on so when they start seeing that it's possible it becomes something that makes them feel good when they can accomplish that challenge so yeah I think it just has to do with how you carry yourself in the classroom the teacher uh buy-in this has to be the whole buy-in to uh, being able to be successful, being that you believe in them, 
that you know uh, something about them, no more more than just their name, that you're in my classroom this time to this time. Um, it, and it takes time to have that buy-in. It doesn't happen in a week. It doesn't happen in two weeks. It may not happen in the first six weeks. It just is something that takes time to build. But I always feel like the goal is for you them to buy into the whole the whole system when they walk through my door. Absolutely. And it's just it's fighting the good fight without expecting reward because there's a couple of kids that you'll run into that aren't motivated, that don't want to do the work because they haven't been successful at it for a while. And so you have to build that rapport. You have to go sit in the cafeteria with them and talk to them and talk to them in the hallway and just make little things that tell them that they matter and that they can do what they think they can't accomplish. And it does take years or even you won't see it until maybe the end of the year when they're finally saying, you know what, that was actually kind of easy, miss. And it's, it's a different story at that time. And even the small successes, especially when you're talking about kids who haven't been successful at all. And then they are. Um, and so even the small successes need to be recognized that, so that you can build uh, build that. But that's, that takes time. That's, that's not a easy fix. And it doesn't happen in 24 hours. And didn't. And I think that sometimes that's what happens. Teachers kind of give up because they want a kind of a quick fix and you give them a system and, okay, this was supposed to work. And it, and when it doesn't work in two days, then let's just throw it out the window and let's, you know, find another system. So Absolutely. I've worked with teachers who have that exact same problem. They, I was like, you have to give this time before you're going to see results. You're like planting seeds. They're not going to sprout right away, but you just got to keep watering, watering right. a little bit, a little bit by a little bit. I wanted to mention that teacher versus student board, but I can't remember. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like you do the teacher versus the student. Yes. And you, I, I don't know what it's called. I think oh, it's just I've called seen the that. teacher versus yeah. student board. And it's really cool. Is it like they a reading like, thing or what is it? No, you could use it in all your classrooms. So the way I've seen it used is for in a fourth grade class where the teacher was against the students. And so if the students got things done either like on time or ahead of time. So if they were like all back in their seats before the bell rang or and ready to learn pencils out, notebooks open, like they would get a point. Yeah. But then every time the teacher would have to call them to attention three times or they did something incorrectly too many times, the teacher would get a point. So that was how they kind of like kept score. And the benefit of that is it built classroom community because they were like, hey, come on, Mike, sit in your seat. Help us out. You know, It's a part of, um, I know it's a part of whole brain teaching, which is that class yes and the five class rules, which is all part of classroom management, but it definitely works. And that's something that you can use that's uh, like monetary, they can see, but then it doesn't have to be a prize. It's just bragging rights. Like, oh, I won today. No, I won today. And so it becomes an easier system to use. Really quick for those who don't, who don't know including myself. Can you just quickly explain whole brain teaching? Oh, so it's uh, like choral responses from the students and it uses uh, your physical body to learn a lot of the concepts that you're doing. Hmm. So there's like mirror talking where the teacher would do something physically and then the student would respond with something else. So for classroom management wise, there's like five rules that the students learn the first day of school. And one of them's like, follow directions quickly and make the teacher happy and make, make your dear teacher smile. I think I don't remember (laughs) them specifically, but it's choral responses. So like you'll teach it to them and they'll say it with you the first couple of days. And then as they 
um, forget to ask permission to stand up to get a pencil sharpen or something, you respond and you say, okay, rule number three. And then the whole class will core respond. So it's automatic as the day, as the weeks progress, they know the five rules. And as soon as the rules are not being followed, you could say rule number four and the whole class will repeat it again. Very cool. So, and I've, I've seen it too. And there's a video, maybe we can link to it in our show notes where the teacher will explain a topic like photosynthesis yeah. and they'll clap twice and go, teach yeah. and the class will clap twice and go okay, okay. and then they turn and talk and explain <laughs> photosynthesis to each other and it's, it's really neat. cool it gives you like basic skeletal things but it also there's tons of examples on youtube that you can just look up and see how effective it is in a classroom because they're all really it's super engaging because it just requires it the movement and the choral response and all that stuff and I'll shamelessly plug, if you're a teacher out there listening and you want to know more about whole brain teaching, you should talk to your instructional coach. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so have either one of you ever had to do a, uh, a reboot in the middle of the year? And uh, what was that oh, like? Yeah. It always happens. Like there's always an adjustment because the students change as the school year adjusts. So Thanksgiving break happens and they forget everything. And <laughs> it's just you have to do not it. Sometimes it will be a reboot, but sometimes it's also just reiterating what you've already established that they've somehow forgotten. So you just go back to your initial stuff that you'd already set up and, and remind them, you know, but there's always something that you can be flexible with, like Nicole said, and adjust if you have to. It doesn't work. I, I typically uh, reboot uh, right after uh, we come back from the winter break. Mm -hmm. And typically, I will be reflective during that time and have that what worked, what didn't, you know, maybe so work or maybe what I can tweak. And so the reboot may be a different procedure that I introduce or, hey, we did it this way before. We're going to do it this way. We're going to try it this way. So we're going to practice that. But I typically like Lenora after a long break, just a reminder of this is how this is how things, you know, we're running. And so let's practice that again. But I like that. So it sounds like you're, you're rebooting for them, but also for yourself to kind of adjust right. to how the first thing you right. right. That's great. Okay. Um, so then let's talk, and this is appropriate for someone who teaches fifth grade and seventh grade. And you've, you've hinted at this already, but how much should of a role should student choice play in classroom management? I think it's important that they play a role, but it kind of starts with my vision, and then as I get to know the students, then I, I was talking about collaboration. Then we begin to, they get to know me, I get to know them, and then we kind of come up with kind of what works well for us together. Um, so I do feel like they have a say-so, especially now that I'm teaching fifth grade, like as the kids get older, they, you know, they have their own their own opinions and their own. And so, but it, it starts with me. It starts with kind of what I envision. And then we kind of come together and make it work for when they're with me. So, cause they do, I mean, cause it can be different if they're going to another teacher and how things are. So my classroom management is when you're in our little safe haven Someone else's classroom management could look different. Um, in, in seventh grade, I think what I like to work on a lot is definitely having them buy in. So like one of the first things that I do the first two or three days of school is uh, classroom roles. I, I have them make it up, but 
it it feels like they're making it up, but I already have what right. I want them to come up with. So so, <laughs> right. so there, you know, we have activities, there's a gallery walk, there's tons of things of like what you what you expect a running successful classroom looks like. And they discuss that and then we say, okay, well let's look at the things in common and we come up with classroom rules. Now I've already kind of said, oh, well, and I'll lead the discussion in what the rules I want them to be. But that they feel more like, oh, we made those up, so now we have to follow right. them. So that's definitely what I try to do to buy in. Um, but I also, we do an activity for group expectations, which is a big thing in classroom management, because when they start working as a group, they have to understand that if it's not socializing, it's getting the task done. And so we spend a day on what group expectations look like. And we run through the same thing. What's that going to look like in order for it to be successful? And there's a simple activity, nothing too focused on academics, but it's for them to kind of see how they function as a group of four. Mm -hmm. And then I take pictures when they're really into the activity and I show it to them. I'm like, okay, well, what were you doing at this time? Let's write that down. And we come up with group expectations and classroom rules that they put written in their own words. And we do that every single then those are the rules that we follow throughout the whole year and i reference the activity we did at the beginning of the year i'm like remember when you were super in, into this and this is what you knew that this is how it had to be this is how it has to be every time i think you could probably also um when you take pictures then actually add those pictures I do. too yeah yeah, so, yeah so they can say, look <laughs> that's how it looks um I do the same thing in regards to rules. We discuss and we really discuss about how do we want to treat each other? How do you want me to treat you? And so those things come up. You you don't want me yelling at you or, you know, or talking to you inappropriately. And, and, and so, and, and you don't want, so you don't want to treat your peers that way as well. And so then we make a constitution and we, we come up with that and we sign and, um, I referred to that. So if something went wrong, I was like, oh, okay, well, look up there. What is, what do we say? We would treat people and we would talk to people with respect and those kinds of things. And so it was always a reference point, what we agree upon. So you, you use more of that social contract approach? Right. Okay. Well, right. You, you both do, it sounds like. You kind yeah. of ask them for input, yes. which is appropriate. But it's also yes. this a little bit of an inception going on yes. where you're like, I planted that respect <laughs> idea in your head. And, oh, be respectful. Oh, it ended right. up as one of the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it is just a discussion about how do you want to be treated. And so then it goes, okay, so how can we then put that in something that we can all agree upon of what we're going to do? And I, I think that works so well, especially with fifth and seventh grade students, because so much of what their psychology and developmentally they're going through is identity and they're kind of discovering who they are. And so if they see something that like looks a little bit like them, hey, that was the thing I suggested or that's the picture of me Absolutely. doing that, like they are going to buy in way more. So that's awesome that you guys do that. I don't know if this falls under student choice, but I, and I've noticed this a lot in the lower grade levels. Maybe this doesn't apply in fifth and seventh grade. But does, um, I guess, assignments or student assignments to, like, help with the classroom management? Or I don't know I've seen job. classroom jobs. Yes, thank you. Does that still play a part in fifth and um, seventh grade? I think I think that because I taught I've taught lower grades and and when I was teaching third grade it was good to kind of assign jobs as I've taught older grades it just kind of materializes as people who will be helpers and some people are good now this is my experience some people are good about wanting to help and some people are like okay we're not helping or whatever and so I don't necessarily assign 
you're the person who turns the light off. Right. You're the person who's going to be in the back of the line. You're the person who's going to be in lower grades. That does work. I think they're just really eager to please the teacher, like really eager to please the teacher. But in when you get older, it's it not. Yeah, it just doesn't. But it does materialize. You're absolutely right. There's always a student who gets really excited to pass out the papers or who, right. who wants to pick up the papers. Right. Um, there right. is something that eighth grade in Jefferson does, and they create it's classroom jobs, but the students have to apply for them. And then the teacher gets yeah. to decide really? if they can actually mm-hmm. do it. And yeah. so they apply for like answering the phone. They apply for being the messenger and they have an application that they fill out and that's their job for the rest of the year. And if they don't do it correctly, they have the possibility of getting fired and then, or like being on reprimand until they can do it again. So it's, it's something that's really cool and I would yeah. want to try, but I haven't had the time to sit and talk to them, but the eighth grade team definitely does it. My own kids, but they were uh, in a younger, like fourth and fifth, I think had the same concept. They applied for a job and, and they actually, it's, it's a kid like you, they earned, it was part of personal financial literacy and they earn money and you could get a checking account and all this other kind of stuff. And you earn money for whatever the job was that you, it seemed yeah, labor. It, yeah. It, it seems a little labor intensive, but it was, it was right. cool. Now I have people who were eager to answer the phone and, <laughs> and just do things for me. So I didn't, but if I noticed that it was someone else was like, Oh, I think it's cool to answer the phone. Or, oh, I think it's cool to help Miss Richmond do da, 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 da. Then I tried to kind of spread the love, like, okay, you can do this or whatever. But I hadn't had to give out jobs. Doesn't mean I'm flexible. <laughs> See, I've told you that. I'm, uh, so I'm willing. I'm always willing. I didn't do this this year, but I'm willing to try something and yeah. say, see how it works because it could work for one group and not be so successful with another group. And I think that is, that goes back if anything you anybody pulls away is that you have to be flexible and what happened perfectly one year will not necessarily materialize in the, the way the next year. And if you're not open to that, then you get in a rut and just like, oh, well, this worked, you know, for three years. And what then you start to blame the kids on why it's not working uh, rather than the system that just didn't work for another group of kids. And sure. it doesn't necessarily have to be a year. It can also be the reboot because the kids right. change as mm-hmm. the year progresses and right. that adjustment needs to be made. All right. I mean, the, the, you guys just are killing it with these answers. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I think we're going to move on to the final three questions. Mr. Trey, start sure. us off. So we're going to start off with our final three. These are the same three questions we ask everybody. You're in the hot seat now. Um, so first off, if TBP were a fictional character or celebrity, who would it be and why? I have no answer. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around comparing a school or an institution to a character. I, I'm, I'm stuck. I mean, I'm stuck. I love y'all's answers, and it's very difficult. I wish I had thought about this ahead of time. But the, the Weasleys was a great answer, and Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson was a great answer. I just can't see myself beating that response. So. Well, my son said um, Robin. <laughs> Robin Boy from Teen Titans, and I don't know why. Uh, I was saying, okay, we're a Titan, and I guess Robin Boy is like the the big 
the big guy in Teen Titan. I, I I don't think he's a big guy. Well, he's the top dog. He's right? a leader. Okay. He's a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. That works. So. Okay. All right. <laughs> next. Next question. Uh, what one thing would you uninvent and why? I said star. <laughs> I said that star uh, because it creates stress for everyone: students, parents, teachers. Unnecessary. Yeah. IT departments. Yes. And, ju- and just for our listeners who aren't from the state of Texas, STAR is our standardized testing. Every state has their own version of standardized so testing. Yes. Uninventing standardized testing. Standardized testing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to go back to my default answer when I was in high school and had to create my own country. I would really get rid of nickels, which is, sounds really weird, but <laughs> Not, I feel keep like... Keep the penny, <laughs> keep the dime. Yeah. Get rid of the nickel, man. get rid of the nickel. Like, why, does, why is the nickel there? You know, you could use the dime if you need to, or the extra pennies. Get rid of the nickel. <laughs> but do you want to carry, like, eight <laughs> pennies around? <laughs> you don't have to carry eight pennies around. You could pay with the dime and then get two pennies back. Get rid of the nickel. Uh, this is like Nicole's face. I wish we could see because when a math teacher tells another math teacher not to count by fives, right? right. You twenty fives is also important. Get rid of it. I'm okay with it. Okay. That's like the easiest fact too. Five ten. Like they know that fact a lot quicker. So get rid of it. Hot takes. <laughs> okay. So any? Do you guys have any general life advice? Anything you would like to share to other teachers or just in general to anyone? So, okay. No, I was going to say, this was kind of school advice and general advice. And I I was saying, always be open to change. Open to change then goes into, and I shouldn't say a cliche, but about being a lifelong learner. But you have to be open and willing to change in every aspect, whether it be your personal life or your professional, if you're a teacher or where You have to be open to change. And when you're open to change, then you're open to learning new things. There's that flexibility again. I I do want to follow up on something that you said, and this is, I think, one of the hallmarks of a great teacher, and you two both have this, is that you're constantly innovating and constantly looking for ways to do things differently. In other words, when August rolls around, you're like, I'm going to do the exact same thing I did last year. You're not that way. So, excellent. Um, So, one of the things that I follow in my life is uh, dream the impossible dream. So it's kind of, I almost would want to say TVP is kind of like that because I connected a lot with TVP because of the passion that they had. And so I would say my fictional character is Don Quixote with Miguel hey. Cervantes. Oh, because, very nice. Uh, one, I love Don Quixote. So, but also um, the life advice that he kind of gave me when I read that story and listened to the impossible dream was just, keep pushing forward and dream above what you think you can accomplish and shoot for that impossible thing. Shoot for that star that you can't reach and just keep going for it. Cause you can make it if you try. Oh man, that's getting me in the feels. Cause I'm thinking about our kids and, yeah, and yeah. how we give them this amazing opportunity that they might not have had otherwise. And Absolutely. we're saying you can do it. TVP aligned the first day I walked into TVP and I was sitting in teacher training. Um, the, the, chief academic officer at the time said that exact same thing, that our goal is to make our kids be inspired to do more, expect more, be more. And I was just like, that's a, that aligns perfectly with me. And I went for it. That's awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for us again. Thank you so much. Those were such great answers. Uh, very well thought out. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners for listening to the bolt. Um, always you can send your questions, ideas. Um, you know, we'd love to hear your ideas on what we should talk about next to the bolt at trinitybasin.net. Uh, and we'll do our best to answer any questions that you may send, uh, on the air as soon as we can. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter 
at The Bolt Pod. We're going to put future episode releases and kind of keep you up to date on what's going on. Um, you can subscribe to us, as always, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere else you, you think you could uh, listen to a podcast. Please let us know. We will tackle that one as well. Uh, and feel free to leave a review, subscribe, uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, thank you again to our guests, uh, Miss Richmond and Miss Gonzalez, for, for uh, being with us today. Uh, thank you to our engineer and co-producer, Manolo Munoz, for making us sound great and putting all this together for us. Thank you once again to Ryan Kayser for letting us um, crash your campus and, and record out here. Um, and finally, thank you to all of the flexible people out there. Keep it up and making our jobs easier for us. All right. Thanks again. Uh, everyone have a great one. All right. So that concludes our classroom management secondary episode. Really great stuff. What do you think, Mr. Trey? I thought it was fantastic. I don't think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think between the elementary and the middle school, I'm ready to manage a classroom. Yeah. Oh, I think we know. Yeah. yeah some great tips. You, was you awesome. know as much as you could from a podcast without actual Certainly. experience. Oh, that's important too. I guess. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Never, <laughs> but, never mind. But some good talking points. I think one I want to highlight was, um, Nicole Richmond mentioned you have to be consistent, insistent and flexible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that we could go on talking about it, but they were much smarter than we are. So, well, and we'll, that, that kind of applies to everything that applies to me and not an education field, consistent, mm-hmm. insistent, and flexible. I think if I could be all of those things and doing my job, I think everyone would benefit from that in my team. So something you can take away from uh, a non-education side as well, which is great. Right. And some other good talking points, uh, Donara mentioned whole brain teaching. There's a lot of good research out there on that. And then I, I think the funniest part for me was uninvent the nickel. <laughs> who, who knew that would be such a controversial, a controversial topic? Yeah. yeah. All right. So that concludes our classroom management series. If you want to see more episodes about this, just let us know. We can try and go in a different direction maybe. And then next up, what do we got, Mr. Trey? So next up, we're going to start spotlighting some unsung heroes. So we will uh, sit down with some people that, that we'd like to shine a spotlight on uh, outside of the teaching world that support our teachers and our students. And I think that's all we're going to say about that and kind of leave you in suspense until Mm -hmm. the next episode for the Unsung Heroes. Absolutely. We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Bolt Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bolt Pod for episode updates or reach out to us at thebolt at trinitybasin.net. As always, do more, expect more, and be more. Manolo, give me the black one. This one's too smelly. (laughs) (laughs) I just need it like as a, oh man, this one's probably just as smelly. It needs to be low odor. It looks smelly. Oh, if yeah. you've ever had them in your it's class, horrible. it's horrible. Yeah, no, I, I do, but I don't sniff them. I didn't. Mean, this <laughs> one's, it's the, we, the kids usually buy the low odor ones. And oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't ever notice. I just like. <laughs>